Hello, Scott. Welcome to Hardy Party of Five and a Half. Welcome. Do you know what time it is? It's time for me to get a cough drop. <laughs> it's time for you to get a cough drop, yes. <laughs> Rebecca's got a little bit of laryngitis today. I lost my voice yesterday at work. I don't feel bad. I just really sound terrible. And it's been so nice and peaceful here at the house the last mm -hmm. few days. Well, then you can carry on without <laughs> me today. No, no, I want you here. I uh, probably I'll... sound like a screeching chalkboard in people's ears right now. I'll try to interpret for you as you Thank talk. You. I appreciate that. Okay, no, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. Because today we're talking college football. Yes. And the time is college football playoff time. That's right. So we've decided to have someone on from ESPN. ESPN. And who is it, Rebecca? It is Anish Sharoff. And he is here. He is also the new play-by-play -play voice of the Carolina Panthers. That's right. So he's going to take us all through the college playoff and what he thought about just how the committee did on the top four right? and some of the big stories in college football this yeah. year. Yeah. And I like what he had to say about the, like, the... Um, 12 teams playing in the playoffs. In the oh, yeah, they're going to expand the tw to 12 teams yeah, coming up. Yeah, so. I thought that was interesting. And it also gave us a chance to wear our favorite Division One and Division Two football teams. That's right. I've got Oklahoma State. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Mm -hmm. Go Mediocre right here. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get there one day. Mediocre, not in wrestling. They're really good wrestling. No, they're amazing at wrestling. Yes. They have all the banners around the basketball stadium. And then, and then we have Snoo Division Two, who, mm -hmm. by the way, had their best record ever in Division Two this yeah. year at five and six. And did, bolts up. Yeah, and didn't their, didn't Jake's quarterback do something pretty amazing? He Gage did a little bit of everything. Yeah, he was like the offensive player of the year and all kinds of things. Yeah, the conference right now. Oh yeah, and the GAC. So yeah, he's pretty amazing. Really impressive. Yep. So let's get to it because we want to hear all things college football. So please enjoy this interview with our very favorite ESPN broadcaster. All right, Anish. Shroff, thank you so much for joining Hardy Party at Five and a Half. You've got a lot of cool things. Our son's a college football player. 
He's been dying for us to talk to you. Can't wait to hear all your things. So we just want to hear a little bit about you. You grew up in New Jersey, right? I did. Yeah. The Sunshine yeah, so, State. So how important was sports to you growing up and you wanted to talk about sports, or play sports, or did you do all those things? I did. It was uh, real important. You know, I'm a first generation. My parents were immigrants. So for our family, sports was sort of a way in. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started playing Little League, it was our way into American culture, our way into America. Um, you know, my dad got here in the early 70s and, you know, watched the the Yankees and the Mets, you know, in the 70s and the 80s and became a big baseball fan. And I think I was six or seven years old. I went to a Yankees Blue Jays game with my dad and, um, you know, Dave Winfield and, and um, uh, Don Mattingly and Jesse Barfield, <laughs> you know, some pretty good teams. I mean, they weren't good teams, but they had some pretty good players and right. kind of became a Yankees fan. And, and that sort of started, it started with baseball. So yeah, sports in our family was, was big growing up. We watched it. And and like I said, for, you know, my mom and dad, it was kind of their way in as immigrants, um, you know, to the fabric of this country. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. And we've taught, we've caught, we've coached a lot of youth sports with our kids and you're right it, it does build that community mm -hmm. and i didn't even think about it for an immigrant that's how you would just connect with people in the in the neighborhood mm -hmm. so you connect with people in the neighborhood and, and that's the water cooler talk my dad was yeah. a, a photographer and a small business owner and so you know back in the day of one hour photo people would chit chat with him and hey did you watch Thurman Munson <laughs> last night did you See Don Mattingly hit another home run. Did you see Ricky Henderson stole two more bases? And so there was a lot of a lot of that. Yeah, uh, Doc Gooden, you know, threw a two hitter. Uh, you know, David Cohn threw a shutout. So um, it became sort of this this chatter. And then, you know, from there, baseball cards was sort of the thing that that really got me into it. Um, <laughs> outside of playing, where I looked back and I said, "Hey, what's one thing that I can point to when I was real little that led me to where I am now?" And it was those cards. I was an avid collector. <laughs> and, you know, you'd soak up the statistics and um, you'd soak up, uh, you know, all sorts of useless information that somehow has come in handy. <laughs> and you probably still have that's, that stored in your right. brain somewhere like he does. <laughs> yeah, just don't ask me where my keys are. So <laughs> right. that's right. we've talked about guys have tend to have a, just an extra storage space for random, <laughs> useless sports, sports knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened in a game like 12 years ago? with two minutes left for oh, some yeah. reason we know these things Babe, we do, and then when yeah. it's time to pick up your kid you're oh shoot oh yeah oh my, i have kids you can yeah. recall what happened in like our co-ed softball games 10 years ago yeah it's weird <laughs> it's been a while so are you still a yankee fan i still am yeah still a yankees ah, fan so pretty happy about the big signing i'm assuming you know they've got a lot of money and in recent years they have not really used that as financial muscle and really their competitive advantage um nine years for a guy who's 31 and injury prone the back end will probably not be very pretty but yeah. you know given what he means to that franchise given all the other factors that go in in terms of merchandise sales and jersey sales and putting people in the seats yeah you, know, you could not let a guy like Aaron Judge walk you had to sign him absolutely okay and I've noticed like speaking of baseball signings in general these guys are getting long contracts and they're going to be 39, 40, 41. What is the, what's the reasoning for teams? Cause you know, those last three or four years, they're not going to get much out of that investment. Are yeah, they I think people sort of first four or five? Yeah. I think people sort of view it as, you know, you're paying for the short term. You'll take the hit 
on the back end. And again, the market dictates it, right? Yeah. You're, you're worth what your competition deems that you're worth. And I always say in, in any line of business and any line of work, it's better to be uh, overpaid than underrated. <laughs> That's right. So don't you think broadcasters and announcers should make as much as the players? You know? I'm just going to fight you on that. <laughs> oh gosh okay so you there's a pretty interesting start to your career because you started kind of on a reality show and i remember watching this speaking of useless like all this sports knowledge i have it was an espn show called dream jobs right in 2014 is that 2004 so you is that kind of how you got your start in broadcasting yes and no um i went to school for it um, I graduated with a degree in broadcast journalism. I had done a ton of college radio. Um, I had actually had come out of college with quite a bit of real world reps. I had worked briefly before the show for a sports radio station in Syracuse. And, you know, that helped me, I think, make some important contacts mm -hmm. that helped get my name out there. But, um, Contrary to the advice of a lot of people, I sort of went backwards. I, you know, I didn't win, which was probably the best thing to happen. Um, <laughs> so had I won, you know, I was 21, 22 years old at the time. I, I wasn't ready, you know, for ESPN, but I did walk away knowing, I think I know what they're looking for. And I think I know what it takes. Mm -hmm. And so after kind of figuring out life for the next few months and doing some freelance work, um, I had opportunities to kind of do bigger stuff, but in a limited role. And I really wanted to go back to where I can cut my teeth. So I applied for a job in Yakima, Washington, uh, market 126 for $20,000 a year. Oh, wow. And for two years there, um, I basically cut my teeth and figured out the craft. And those two years, more than anything else, um, I, in my opinion, have set me up for my career. Wow, that's really cool. Well, so, and that sounds like we just interviewed Jason Romano a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, who was at ESPN. And he mentioned like the first time he went in, he didn't get the job. And he was, he, after all that, he was thankful he didn't because it helped him get better before he came back to ESPN. So it sounds like the same thing with you. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, this business can be brutal in the sense that a lot of times you don't get an opportunity to make a second impression. And I knew even, you know, on that run that I had on the show, I was one of the final three. I knew I'd made an impression. Um, I didn't think I had at that time, you know, to be completely honest, what it took to stick, not at that age. But when I went to Yakima and I went to my first real job in television, yeah, I experimented um, and I was always treating it as, you know, this is the canvas to kind of figure out what your voice is, what it is that you do well, what are your strengths, and then find out what your weaknesses are and really work on those and find what cuts through for viewers, finds what cuts through for your audience and, and tell those compelling stories. So I remember walking out of there thinking, all right, I, I think I can do this. Um, and I was there for about two years. So yeah, it, it, weirdly a lot of people were disappointed for me that I didn't win on the reality show um for I mean I I wouldn't even say for a minute I, I was disappointed um mm -hmm. it, it sounds funny like you get that far and you get that close but <laughs> I wasn't looking just to 
you know, be there for 15 minutes. I was looking for a career in this business. Right. And I knew long-term um, things were just getting started. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So for those, you mentioned strengths and weaknesses and just for the young broadcasters out there, what, what was like a weakness you saw that you had and how did you work on it? Do you Interviewing, um, probably the biggest one. And it's probably the most common mistake of all young broadcasters. We ask questions that are too long. We use too much prologue and preamble and you're not getting the best from your audience. You guys do this, you know, you bring on a guest, you're bringing on a guest. That's who you're teasing. Right. And it's the same thing. Sometimes we want to, we want to sound so smart, look so smart. And we tell our subject, all these things they already know. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of figured out, okay, how to ask better questions, questions with specific demands. Um, you know, my strong suit kind of growing up was, was writing and storytelling. And then it was, using that and combining it with the video elements and writing your video and little things like that. And um, you basically find a voice. And I've told people that, you know, in this business, you can't fake authenticity. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I mean by that is don't try to be something that you're not. If you're funny, be funny. If you're dry, be dry. If you're smart, be smart. If you're witty, be witty. Um, but if you're not funny, don't try to be funny yeah. because that does not play. If you're not smart um, in a literary sense or whatever, don't try to be that version because you'll be exposed. Right. So a lot of it was just trying to figure out, okay, which lane am I best suited to travel where I can, you know, hit my climbing speed and I can get to the altitude I need to. Yeah, that's really interesting. Maybe he's going to grade us on our interviewing skills later. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm just think I was just thinking how have I, how have the questions been so? No, far? I'm totally yeah. the funny one. Question, the questions have been great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have broadcasted college football, college baseball, college basketball, and lacrosse, which is like the hot new thing for sure. <laughs> um, but today we want to talk about college football. Sure. What, in your opinion, are some of like the surprising stories this year, or even like important stories this year in college football? You know, there's a lot of them. Um, I think one is just that we're seeing a little bit of a, a new guard. You know, Alabama not in the college football playoff. No, it's so Clemson. weird. So weird. Um, we're seeing really, I think, not just the ascendancy of Georgia, but maybe Georgia now being the new Alabama. They had been building for that and building for that. Last year, they got over the hump, beat Bama in the title game, uh, looked dominant doing so. And, you know, they've restocked that defense, which which yeah. was hard to do, given the amount of talent they lost off that defense. Uh, we're, we're seeing a new world order of NIL um, and, and the transfer portal. I don't know if that's going to be as wild as it is now. I do think there's going to be, you know, a market correction. Um, guys are going to want to transfer and transfer, and a lot of guys end up without a spot. And for a lot of those guys, that means you end up without a college degree. Yeah. Um, and for a lot of people, the NIL stuff is, you know, blown up all over the place. I think you'll see some regulation because um, essentially it's everything that we thought about college sports now on the table, right? Oh, they're going to pay players. Like now be very open about it. Come here. We got NILs waiting for you. Yeah. Departments devoted to that. So uh, we're starting to see this new world order and we're going to see which coaches can adapt to it, which coaches can't adapt to it. Yeah. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley at USC getting that program 
back to national prominence this year. I thought it was a huge story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, he used the transfer portal. He went and got his quarterback from Oklahoma. He went and got the best receiver in the country from Pittsburgh. Um, conference realignment. I think the, the dominoes that are falling, Texas and Oklahoma, um, both kind of down still. Yeah. Now moving to the SEC where the competitive landscape yeah. is increasing. Meanwhile, we might be starting to see the next wave in the Big 12 with TCU cracking the college football mm-hmm. playoffs. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of cool stuff, I think, to see Michigan in the college football playoff two years in a row. Yeah. Um, are we starting to see the tide turned in that Michigan-Ohio State rivalry? Not ready to call that just yet, but you can't underestimate and, and, and downplay what Jim Harbaugh has done these last two years. So, um, you know, there's a lot to unpack. Um within the sport right now, but yeah. um, I think there's also a lot of unknowns. Yeah, for sure. When I think you mentioned the transfer portal, I think that's going to help teams get better quicker. Like used to, you had to build a program and it would take three or four years to bring your guys in. Now you're just getting guys over the summer, you're getting a new guy. Like it's going to be, do you think it will be quicker to build a program? Like USC is just suddenly bam, on the national stage. So. You know, it depends. I think it's going to hurt some smaller programs. You're seeing yeah. it a little in basketball where a lot of those guys say, well, I got a chance to go play at a power five. I'm going to leave. Whereas before you had that guy for the okay. duration. Um, I think it'll be a little different once we get outside of the COVID year, which gave everybody an extra year of eligibility. So right now teams are just older in general. Yeah. And yeah. if you're a, a team that has talent and then you're older with fourth fourth year sophomores fifth year juniors six yeah. year seniors yeah. you know we're going to phase out of that in the next couple of years but right now we're still in that you know covid period so that's all part of it but um yeah i hope for the sake of college football we do hit a market correction mm-hmm. just from folks that i talk to they say it's harder to follow their teams and when it's harder to follow your team, that means it's harder to follow the sport at large. Yeah, our- yeah, that's true. for sure. Yeah, that that COVID year, it's really helped some kids and it's really shot some kids in the foot. You know, yeah, yeah that happened to our son. You know, he had several players starting in front of him that were fifth year, you know, super seniors, and it was just the way it was because he was a sophomore on the field, but yeah. a senior, he's graduating in May. Yeah, so. he redshirted yeah. it and he has COVID years so. out. Yeah, yeah, crazy mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Okay, so the college football playoff is set. So we're going to get your predictions. Yeah, we want predictions. (laughs) And we're going to get some scouting reports on the teams. So you've got Georgia's number one, Michigan's number two, TCU, Big 12, 12. is number three. We're Oklahoma State. We're Oklahoma State, though. I had to remote. So, and that was just, they had a disappointing year. Yeah, they did. Because with Oklahoma and Texas down, we were like, all right. But Gundy could pull it out. For a while, it looked pretty good. And then right it around did. mid-season, it just went in the other direction. It did. It, did. Yeah. <laughs> it was sad. And then you have Ohio State at four. Yeah. So it got kind of interesting because Utah hammered USC, which knocked them out. And then K-State eked out the win against TCU, but TCU still makes it in the playoffs. Right. So, and we conducted our informal poll online and 72% mm-hmm. of the people said they agreed with the committee. So what's your take on that? the last second moves there with USC and TCU? Do you think they got it right as far as the Final Four? I did. You know, I look at one thing, which is if you're trying to find 
you know, some common denominator in the selection process because what's important changes every year with the complexion and the makeup of the selection committee. But the one hard and fast fact has been you can't lose twice. We have not had a two-loss team in the college football playoff. Yeah. And so when, again, USC lost and then you had Bama out there, no conference championship, sitting at home, two losses. Tennessee not only lost twice, they lost their quarterback, which, again, given the subjective nature of their committee, where you're looking to evaluate the best teams, Tennessee is different without Hendon Hooker. That took them out of the equation. LSU might have had a shot. They lost to Texas A&M. That was inexplicable. Yeah. Um, obviously, they lost to Georgia to make it a moot point, but they would have been in a position right. had they won the SEC championship. So at the end of the day, TCU loses a close game. Um, do I think on paper they're one of the foremost talented teams in the country? No. Um, foremost deserving, certainly a case. I really had no issue with it. Those were the four teams that I thought the committee okay. would put in. Um the other teams that were in position, all they had to do was win. And a lot of dominoes fell the way they did, allowing for some of those other teams like a TCU to stay in the field. Yeah, for sure. When Saban, it was funny watching Saban because he's got the two losses, but he's like, they're really close losses, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. You know, it's funny. People were killing him like, oh, there's Nick Saban lobbying for his team. Like, Why wouldn't you? I mean, I, 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 I might as well, exactly. yeah. If somebody's going to give you that platform and you know you're speaking to an yeah. audience and you know that the playoff committee might be watching and your next to go make a case for your team. So right. I, I have no problem with what he did. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've got everybody trying to, oh, uh, yeah, up in arms, you know, the fake <laughs> outrage that's out there. But I, I just kind of yeah. thought, all right, right. You know, you're in a, it's like any politician, you give them a platform to, to message. Yeah. They're going to take it. Yeah. You got to give it a shot, you yeah. know. Okay. Well, this could get interesting for me because I, I moved here from Georgia. So I, I wore a Georgia Bulldog shirt in high school, but now, you know, TCU is 20 minutes from yeah, here. 20 minutes away. We've been big 12 forever now. And so I don't know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? You I don't know. About that, you? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into each matchup for the, yeah. okay. So you have Michigan versus TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. Who are you? Who are you picking for that game? And who are the players we should be watching out for that are make, that'll make the biggest impact? Well, you know, the, the kid who's been playing running back these last few weeks, the uh, Edmonds kid from Michigan has been tremendous. Um, so what he did in the Ohio State game with Corum down, uh, I think all eyes are, are on that Michigan offensive line. Can they control the trenches? You know, finalist for the Joe Moore Award after winning that award last year. And then for TCU, you know, offensively, they're, they're, they're so good. They're so explosive. Um, you know, Max Duggins put together a campaign, I think, that's worthy of the Heisman Trophy, to be honest. Yeah. And in my opinion, I think he's the favorite. Um, yeah. It's not the strongest field this year, but given how he's played this year through the course of it and uh, how he's played in the end of some of those close games that TCU yeah. has had, I really like Max Duggan. I just don't know if TCU is going to be able to move the ball against that Michigan defense the way they've done so against some of these other teams yeah. in the Big 12. That's a hard matchup. Michigan's got a chance to really control the trenches. Um, but I do think that game is certainly to me, you know, the, the game that I think is more compelling because you know, TCU's got a decided advantage in that game mm. at the most important position in college football. Yeah. And that's quarterback. And yeah. as much as we talk about quarterbacks at the NFL being all the difference, it's even more so at the yeah. college level. And if Max Duggan plays well and he can make some throws and he can make some plays, 
TCU beating Michigan wouldn't be as much of a shock as, um, let's say, Ohio State beating Georgia for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So are you picking TCU there, an official pick? Uh, <laughs> yeah, why not? Oh, I mean, yeah, I okay. See it. Um, why not? <laughs> I, th- I think they can pull it out. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. You know, Georgia, I just think is on a different level. Um, they really think they, you know, great quarterback. They got some really good receivers. They're talented on offense. But, um, boy, th- their defense at times this year has been a little suspect. We saw what Michigan can do to them. And, and Georgia is just uh, a supersized version of Michigan, if we're yeah. being honest. Yeah. Uh, Blake Bowers might be the toughest matchup in the country at tight end Stetson Bennett. I don't know if he's Heisman finalist worthy, but he's better than people think. And I remember going into the playoffs last year thinking, yeah, what, what if Stetson Bennett's got to make plays for Georgia? Well, yeah. he did. And he made some big plays and he was the reason they won the game against Alabama. Uh, and he made some throws against Michigan in the semifinals as well. And the way this Georgia defense is playing Jalen Carter. I mean, come on, um, <laughs> Georgia right now to me, goes into this thing as as an overwhelming favorite yeah so you think george is gonna win the whole thing i do i do okay okay so what are your picks for oh i i think i think i'm I'm gonna have to go tcu and then i'm gonna pick georgia okay tcu and so we're all agreeing on that okay and you and we we pretty much all agree that it's gonna be georgia I mean, yeah. it would be shocking if it's not Georgia. It wasn't Listen, I, I think Ohio State, I'm not going to discount them completely. I do think of the three other teams in the field, Ohio State's got the best chance of beating Georgia. Um, I, I just don't see it, though. <laughs> I just don't see anybody beating Georgia. Yeah, I agree. When with USC losing, it feels like Ohio State just kind of snuck in there, so you don't think about them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they just – it seems like they barely squeaked in because yeah. USC lost. Yeah. So. So recently they talked about extending that, you know, playoff to 12 game to 12 teams. What are your thoughts on that? I've been saying this, that they need to do this forever. So what do you think about that? I love it because the one thing that college, uh, college football has moved into in recent years has been this championship or bust phenomenon, which has never really been college football. It was right. always have a great season, beat your rival, go to a great bowl game right? It, it was not this championship or bust type of sport mm-hmm. that it's now become. Um, you know, it's the Yankee doctrine applied to college football. And so we, we've sort of reached this point in college football now where you know, if you don't make the playoff or if you don't win a national championship, it's like your season's useless. Going to the Fiesta Bowl, if it's not one of the semifinal bowls, that doesn't matter anymore. No, that that should matter. So I just feel it's been concentrated in these last few years with, with so few teams, let's bring more fan bases in. Let's give yeah. more fan bases yeah. something to play for through the course of the regular season. Right. Guess what? If you don't make the top four teams, you know, you might be seed seven or eight, and that might be good enough to get into a playoff. And I just think that enriches the sport. I've covered the FCS playoffs um, in the past, and I've done quite a few FCS championships. And, and yeah, you know, for some teams, getting in is a big deal. Um, you know, I got to look at the rankings and I got to see what the playoff field would be like, but okay. As a Syracuse alum, for example, in 2018, for the first time in 17 years, they finished in the, in the AP poll and they were number 15 in the country or whatever. As a Syracuse football fan who hasn't had a whole lot to cheer about 
you know, in the last 20 years. Exactly. That's a season where you're getting to the end game and you're thinking there might even be a chance you can get to the playoff, whether you, win or, exactly. whether you win or not, it almost becomes secondary and tertiary, but it solidifies your season. And, you know, everyone says, oh, there's too many bowls. There's this and that. That wasn't a complaint before when there were too many bowls because right. going to a bowl game meant something. And in some ways, this hyperemphasis on just the playoff, just the BCS championship has taken away from that. And it'll be healthy, in my opinion, for the game when you can activate more fan bases um, for the duration. Yeah. To me, it's like no different than having Kansas play Montana State in the first round, you know? Right. Like in basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it helps OSU fans in football because we tend to finish in that 10 to 15 range. Mm. So that would definitely help us. Yeah. Well, I, I look at it too. At the end of the day, why do we watch sports, right? We watch sports because it's the greatest reality show on television. <laughs> yeah. And yes, most of the time, Goliath is going to kick David's ass, right? But when App State beats Michigan, when Douglas knocks out Tyson, when you have that kind of win, I was there and called the game when App State beat Texas A&M this year. Wow. Um, that's the stuff that you remember. That's why we watch sports. Yes. You guys see it in the NCAA tournament, right? When a Florida Gulf Coast or a UMBC takes out Virginia, you know, that's the stuff that gets yeah. us riled up. That's yeah. what makes it fun to see yes. a St. Peter's beat a Kentucky and go right. to Kentucky. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the stuff that we love. And it may not happen every year. And there may be some years where those teams get wiped out, but when it happens, I think it gives us as sports fans, it gives us that moment that we hold on to forever. Absolutely. That you tell your grandkids about. Right. I remember when. <laughs> I was at that game when yeah, you really weren't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it can get boring when the same teams are in every year. Mm-hmm. For sure. I agree. And I think yeah. it's gotten stale for some people because it's been the same teams and the same coaches and people just want a little bit of new blood. Okay. Speaking of not boring, we got to talk about prime time. Because if we're talking college football, you've got Deion Sanders. Uh, he went from Jackson State to Colorado. So I just thought it was, I thought it was pretty hilarious, his press conferences and all that. And there was a moment when he's introducing himself to the team, and you talked about the transfer portal. And he's like, if you're thinking about getting the transfer portal, go ahead and do it. Because I can bring in somebody better. Yeah. So that's pretty authentic, I think. He's just letting them know. <laughs> so what do you think about what do you think about Dion's style in general? Is it annoying or is it refreshing to you? Or is it somewhere in between? Sometimes with sports, we often forget that there are real world parallels. And think of the company that you may work for and a new CEO takes over and you have a new boss and you got that first meeting and he calls everybody in and says, if you can't cut it, we'll go find somebody else. Mm-hmm. that's basically what that was. Yeah. yeah. And business. college football has become this big business. Yeah. And the coaches treat it as a business. The players now with NIL and the ability to transfer and take their services somewhere else yeah. also have that ability and that freedom that in the past did not exist for them. So yeah. I like the fact that he's authentic. I like the fact that when people were asking him about it, he said, yeah, I'm talking to other teams. Yeah. And people were all up in arms about that. And I said, well, hey, Hugh Freeze at Liberty was talking to Auburn, you know, early November, and they lost the last three games of the season. And it's a, a pretty well-known secret that part of the reason that they lost to UConn and 
New Mexico State down the stretch after starting eight and one was because their coach was distracted and, and had his attention elsewhere. But coaches do that all the time. People do that all the time. You're at one yeah. job and if somebody else is interested, you're yeah. talking to them and you're, you know, figuring out what your next step is. So right, John sure. was just honest about it, whereas most coaches lie about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes me think of the NBA when all these super teams get together and you know they've talked for They've talked for years to each other. It's not like they're not talking about, hey, I'd love to play with you. But then they have to act like, oh, we've never said anything to each other. Yeah. It's just like, we all know this is happening. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I always find it funny when we ask coaches, hey, are the reports true that you're taking this other job? And they always say no. And you know, part of me always thinks, well, what can you say? Yeah, right? right. Yeah. I always think of, let's forget that they're a coach and just some employee. And let's say, you know, you're hunting for another job and you've got an offer, but guess what? All the T's haven't been crossed. All the I's haven't been dotted. There's a few details you're working out. And one of your coworkers gets a wind of it and says, hey, uh, are you leaving? I thought I saw something on your computer. And you're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not yeah. leaving. I mean, obviously, yeah. you don't what want you that to say? get out until until it's done. So right, I, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with, hey, people want to go and find another opportunity. Um I don't have an issue with that. And, and, you know, folks have said, well, Dion, you know, made some promises in the beginning at Jackson state. And listen, I understand that. Um, I just think when you've been in this business long enough, you can't be Pollyanna about it. Yeah. You know, this is a business for everybody. You know, guys change jobs all the time. And yeah. Brett Bielman goes to Arkansas and it's woo pig. And, you know, now he's at Illinois and it's go Illini, right. right. <laughs> and change where you're, Heart is it changes. Uh, what matters to you changes, and you know everyone's got a stump speech. And and yeah. Dion, the one thing that I do like about him is that you know, he's pretty honest about it. Um, yeah. A lot of guys would just lie about it. Right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so for speaking sure. of new opportunities, you got a new opportunity this season. You're the voice of the Carolina Panthers now. So tell us what that's like, and how did your family react to you becoming the the voice of the Panthers? Well, it's been an interesting season. Um, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's been pretty uh, long. Yeah, it's been an interesting season to dive in. But the team's been great to me. The franchise has been great. Everybody from um, ownership to the folks that I work with on a daily basis um, have been incredibly, incredibly good to me, and um, they've continued to let me do what I do with ESPN, and have been really accommodating with my schedule. Uh, for my family, it was great. Um, we've lived in Charlotte now for eleven plus years. And this has okay. become home. And, um, you know, it, it's funny. I, I say this after telling you all the stuff about the coaches, right? Like I would never go anywhere else. <laughs> I, I convinced my dad to move down here. I convinced my brother to move down here. So we've got my dad 10 minutes away. We've hmm. got my brother 10 minutes away with his family in the other direction. Um, we've loved it here. Um, we plan to, you know, stay here forever. And so the, the reality was, had this job or a job like this been open in Cleveland or San Francisco or Pittsburgh or Dallas, I would not have had interest. Right. What interested me about the Panthers job was that it was in Charlotte and it was really a chance to just further put down roots in this community. And, and, and for me, you know, Charlotte being home, the Panthers give you a platform, um, a real platform to be actionable. Um, yeah. and 
to help out in the community. We did an event, you know, this past week called Joy to the Carolinas. Um, there's a place called Carowinds, which is um, like a Six Flags. It's an amusement park. And they had all sorts of families who um, were in need and they gave them groceries and clothes and toys and um, were there volunteering as a team. And just to see the smiles on those kids' faces, right? Um, you know, yeah. they're giving them vouchers to go get their haircut, to take a family photo, yeah. um, to go see the dentist, to go see a doctor. And again, you're part of that. You have a platform to really impact your community in a positive way. Um, that as much as being able to do NFL games mattered to me because yeah. this is now home. Right. It's more than a job for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Scott's from North Carolina. Yeah, I'm from the Raleigh area, like a little east of Raleigh. So yeah, it's a pretty area. It's a pretty state. So one last question before we wrap up. Do you have a favorite stadium that you've been to? Any stadium that you just think is great? Oh, you know, there's a few. Um, I would say for college basketball, Fog Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas mm. and Cameron Indoor are special. Cameron Indoor is unique in that when you walk in, it feels like a high school gym. It mm. really does. And then it just sort of overwhelms you when the crazies come in and we call <laughs> the games all the way up in the uh, bird's nest. Yeah. And then Fog, when they do rock chalk and um, they have their pregame ritual, you know, that place shakes and you can feel yeah. the floorboards move. And, and that to me is 1A and 1B. I love those two places. Yeah. Uh, the Carrier Dome for basketball is always special to me. You get 30,000 in a building for a big Syracuse game. And then for football, I've got a few favorites. You know, I, I love the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, one, because it's my, my alma mater. Two, because it has one of the best sight lines for a broadcaster. I mean, uh -huh. you've got one of the best field views. You're not way up where you need your binoculars and you can't really see the field. Um, but there's other places. I love Clemson. Um, North Dakota State is uh, in the Fargo Dome. 19,000 feels like 90. It's <laughs> as loud as a wood chipper. They they go nuts. Some of the best fans in the country. Um, I did a night game at Florida State when they played Florida Thanksgiving weekend. And that was you know, probably the most electric atmosphere I've been a part of. That was crazy. That was insane. Loved every minute of that. Um, there's a lot. Auburn, LSU, yeah. um, the tailgating at Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, in the Grove. You know, there's a lot of special atmospheres um, in yeah. college football that, I, that I'm lucky to be a part of. Yeah. Well, other than the Duke thing, I'm a Carolina fan, so I'll, <laughs> I'll let you skate. Cameron does look cool, though. I'd love to go there. <laughs> I, I couldn't wear my Carolina stuff. I'd probably have to go incognito. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You would have to. I mean, you, you, you could. You just may not. I'll be asking it for it, Lou. <laughs> I'll definitely be asking for it if I'm wearing my Carolina yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Do you realize how what a cool job you have? Like, you just talked about all these stadiums and you got so excited about it. Isn't it yeah. cool that you get to do what you do? What a cool thing. You know, it is. Um, I'm fortunate in the sense that um, I get to do what I love. Um, I, I tell people there's a there's a trade-off. Um, Work-life balance um, can be a challenge with yeah. travel. And I've got a five-year-old daughter, um, you know, who now misses daddy more and more when he's gone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, there's something special when I look back and I said, hey, when I was, you know, a little kid, nine, 10 years old, this is what I want to do. And, uh, <laughs> To be able to do it and, and to be able to you know, have the opportunity to do NFL games and to do big time you know, yeah. college sports. Um, yeah, it's a dream. It, it, it really is. And I know 
you know, there's a lot of people that um, aspire to those opportunities and, and I'm grateful for it. But I do say, you know, this in all sincerity, um, you know, the one thing that I'm, I'm really cognizant of and I've become more cognizant of in my life is um, I'm not one where this is where the job defines me. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky to do what I do, but there's a lot of things that I am a dad, a husband, son, brother, a friend, a human being um, mm. that means more to me than than what I do for a living. And I know full well the outside world will always look at you and yeah. because you're you're somewhat public, they'll look at you and through the lens of what you do for a living. Um, but if, if that's all you are, then if or when that ever goes away, I do feel I see people struggle with yeah. loss of identity. Who are you? And I think when you're younger, it's easy to default to who you are is what you do for a living. Yeah. Um, the older I've gotten, um, I've sort of found that harmony, that synchrony in life where it's, this is what I do for a living. And I'm really lucky to do it. And I love what I do, but this is also not who I am. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Those are wise words. Yeah, they are. To keep in your mind too, for younger people looking up to you. So we appreciate you taking time with us. Speaking of work-life balance, why don't you get back to your rest of your life? And we thank you so much for taking time with us. Loved hearing what you had to say. Go dogs. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, gosh. And we hope you have a great holiday season ahead of you. You too. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And, and this was fun. Enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank Bye. you so much. Take care. Well, Rebecca, we didn't fumble that interview. That's right. It went right through the goalpost. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, it kind of scared me when I asked him weaknesses and strengths of broadcasters. Why? And he mentioned interviewing was one of his weaknesses mm. and that you have to ask good questions. So then in my mind, I'm thinking, how have our questions been? Are we doing okay? <laughs> you felt judged. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hmm. <laughs> a little paranoid there. But yeah. I think it went well. It went great. And he had some great information about college football. Yeah. And he gave us some great advice on just living in general. Yeah, work-life yeah. balance. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really great. So we would love to know, who are you voting for or cheering for in this football playoff? Definitely go dogs here. Are you go dogs for sure? Okay, here's oh, wait, Are you go dogs because you know they're going to win? <laughs> I'm, I'm going dogs, if that's the true way to say it, because I know they're going to win. But... I'm going to throw it out there and I'm going to pull for TCU. I'm going okay. big 12. I have my doubts that they can do it, but it's just like he talked about when the underdog wins, that's what sports is all about. Right. So I'm going for TCU to take all of this. Yeah. And this is now official that I'm going, I'm going for. Wow. Yep. Okay. I'm impressed. And everybody in our area will love you for that one. And that's right. Be upset with me. Yeah. But that's what we're going with. <laughs> all right so go watch some college football listen to this interview if you want to be talking all the smack with your friends about what you should be knowing because you know we have all the dish and party party five and a half over and out we'll see you next time and hopefully i'll have a voice go frogs go dogs <laughs>